Hello, I'm Llewellyn King, the host of White House Chronicle. Thank you for coming along. I'm joined, as quite frequently, by Adam Clayton Powell III, who operates as my co-host on these shows. Our guest is Rich Jaroslawski, Vice President for Content and Chief Journalist for Smart News, Inc., but I should mention that he has a distinguished career behind him at the Wall Street Journal and with Bloomberg. And I'd like to say, Rich, welcome to the broadcast. And Adam, would you like to lead the questioning? Rich, uh, let's follow up that uh, bit of biography. You were an award-winning White House correspondent, award-winning uh, national political editor. And then you decided to do something different. You became the first uh, online managing first managing editor of the online Wall Street Journal. Now that seems obvious, but a generation ago, why in the world did you do that? Well, I had a lot of my colleagues in the Washington Bureau of the Wall Street Journal asking me that same question. Um, when I joined the project that became WSJ.com, we literally didn't even know we were going to be on the internet. We thought we were building something like AOL for the first year or so. Um, but the opportunity was just too good to pass up, um, precisely because nobody knew what this medium was going to be or could be. Uh, the idea of helping to shape it from the ground up was just too enticing. So I did have uh, one of my colleagues memorably told me that I was committing career suicide uh, when I joined that project. Um, I I had frequent, the frequent reaction was, you're going where to do what? Um, but it turned out okay. Well, that's very interesting. And now you are the chief journalist, which is an interesting title for Smart News Inc. Tell us about Smart News Inc. Well, Smart News is a news aggregation app for uh, iOS and Android. It's free. Um, and uh, the company is based in Tokyo. And when I joined it, uh, I think I was employee number 13 or so when they wanted to um, begin building a U.S. version of this Japanese news aggregation app. Um, uh, from the very beginning, Smart News has um, integrated machine learning and increasingly AI into the product. So it is an algorithmically curated uh, um, experience, but with human direction and oversight. I like to describe it as um, machine learning, human conscience. Yeah, on, on your website, you, it's uh, called a news discovery service. That's a rather interesting term that uh, I don't think anybody else is using. What does that mean? Well, a lot of algorithmic curation, particularly in its early days, was focused on sort of hyper-personalization. We, the technology, is, are going to figure out what it is that you are interested in and then feed you a lot of that. And Smart News was basically founded on the concept that we wanted to be diametrically opposite. Instead of just giving you a, a complete diet of stuff that you already are interested in or already know, uh, we're kind of dedicated to trying to expand your horizons um, to introduce you to stuff that you didn't necessarily know ahead of time you'd be interested in, but actually find very interesting and compelling. 
So we're trying to present a diversity of viewpoints, a diversity of content, and allow you to develop additional um, interests and expand your horizons rather than constantly seeing them constrict. That's sort of what newspapers did. You'll be looking through a newspaper and you'd say, oh, that's interesting. Now when we're online, we tend to go to what we're looking for and our horizons tend to be shaped by that, whether we're aware of it or not. I get a, 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 a I get the Economist on my Kindle, but I also get a paper version and I miss things on the Kindle. I read it earlier, but I like to back it up with a paper version where just something catches your eye that you didn't think was of interest. So is that the audience that you're after? It is. It is. And one of my early epiphanies when I was building WSJ.com was that serendipity, the idea of coming across a piece of information that you didn't know you'd be interested in, but would, but but was interested in, was one of the hallmarks of print. And I'm an old print guy. I spent a lot of years in newspapers before the internet arrived. And um, so trying to recreate that sense of serendipity, that sort of sense of unexpectedness, uh, is really one of the uh, motivating factors behind smart news. Let's talk about the future a little bit. Uh, Google is uh, demonstrating, has demonstrated for publishers of uh, the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, Wall Street Journal, according to the New York Times, a new AI technology, a new AI software, which according to the New York Times, the tool can take information, details of events, for example, and generate news content. Is that journalism? Well, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And therein lies the issue. Um, uh, AI has been used um, for some time in generating news content, um, particularly uh, financial news sites um, uh, have used it to create text-based stories from numerical information, for example, from earnings tables and that kind of thing. Um, and so in that regard, it's not new. Um, but the technology has taken some massive leaps in recent years, and it is now capable of doing much, much more than uh, it was even just a few years ago. So the real question now is, okay, given the incredible capabilities of the technology as it exists today and the speed with which it is evolving, the things that it can do are expanding geometrically. What are the right guidelines? What are the right guardrails to make sure that the content that that this technology is being used responsibly and ethically? And we're just at the very beginning of figuring that out as journalists. I'm curious when we talk about this future of the internet, and I'm excited by it. I, I can see the end of paper, much as I love paper, and I was in it for decades on three continents. But uh, I can, I'm excited about the future, but I wonder about reporting. A lot of reporting has always been bottom up. Big fish have eaten smaller fish, so that the local court case covered in the local paper was 
brought to the attention of the larger paper if it was significant, etc. Likewise, covering the State House, etc. If we don't have that, we sort of have a, a ship with an incredible superstructure and no hull. How are we going to get over this lack of local reporting, this gum, um, shoe leather at the bottom, uh, which has always been the basis of good journalism? Well, I think that that trend has been um, has been evident for a number of years before the age of AI, um, and uh, it, it it will become even more critical uh, as we go as we get further into the age of AI. Um, the disappearance of local newspapers um, and local news outlets is a uh, is a national crisis. Um, the growth of what of what we call news deserts. Um, huge swaths of the country that have no or almost no local news coverage uh, is a is a huge problem. One of the things that has been um, gratifying to me, uh, I started in the late 90s an organization called the Online News Association, which gives out um, online journalism awards, the online journalism awards. And we just finished the judging process for this year's OJAs. And seeing the quality of work that's being done by small startup, in many cases, nonprofit, independent online news sites, um, it's beginning to fill some of those voids. There is still a huge, huge issue uh, surrounding news deserts, but there is really some great work being done by nonprofit um, and small and independent news sites now to start to fill in some of those gaps. The real question there is, um, are their economic models sustainable? And I think the the verdict is still out on that one. While we're on the Online News Association, which, uh, of which you were the first president and founder, uh, it probably holds the largest journalism convention in the United States now, bigger than just about anything else. And one opening session this year is titled The Promise and Peril of artificial intelligence. Well, a panel of Microsoft executives uh, and a Canadian AI expert, but no journalists. Does that suggest, some people say, that maybe the tech people know more about what's coming than journalists? No, I think, I suspect that it, that it suggests that the audience of journalists wants to hear from the experts in AI because we need as much information as possible to understand the technology and its promise and perils as, as, um, as well as possible before we can start to figure out what the correct, um, proper, and ethical uses of it are. And a quick follow-up. Well, one of the panelists is uh, Matt Masterson, who uh, comes to, went to Microsoft from the Department of Homeland Security, where he was the point person for election cybersecurity in the, 19, in the 2020 election cycle. So it seems that security may be one of the things that people worry about if they rely more and more on AI. Well, security is certainly one issue, um, but, um, but we've only just begun to grapple with all with these issues um, and, uh, you know, I think that the, um, that the ethical issues, the fundamental ethical issues here 
um, are, you know, we have to get this right um, because properly used AI can be an incredible force for good. It can be a what you might call in military terms, a force extender for journalistic values. But if it's deployed without the necessary guardrails and ethical strictures, um, it can be an incredible, incredible um, uh, weapon uh, against civil society. And so the the uh, I've been to um, I'm the, I think I'm the only person who has been to every online news association convention from the start. So I feel like I'm a little bit of an expert in saying this. I suspect that the entire ONA convention this year is going to be focused on AI. I noticed that throughout the history of journalism, popular journalism, which really got going in a big way in the 19th century with general education, when people were looking for newspapers, got a huge boost in the 1890s with the invention of the linotype machine, which made the setting of type much easier, and went on on a very substantial uh, and beneficial trajectory of incorporating, sometimes with great resistance, new technology, offset printing, uh, the ability to publish photographs uh, easily and quickly, which hadn't existed before, on and on. Now we're in this whole new world, and of course we're we're rather shaken by it because it's more dramatic. It is less linked to the past than all of these other technologies were. You could see the origins of them in old-fashioned ways. Now you can't see the origins in the same way at all. So I want to know, if I might, what excites you about this new world of electronic and uh, artificial journalism? What's exciting? What can we look forward to that is better than what has been the past? I think we can look forward to, um, that's a great question. I think we can look forward to uh, the reach of this technology. Um, I think that we can look forward to, though with some trepidation, the uh, lowered barriers to entry. Um, all those technologies that you cited previously required, had pretty high barriers to entry. It was not cheap to buy a linotype machine. Um, it was not cheap to have a fleet of trucks um, lined up running fossil fuels and waiting to deliver the product that was produced by chemicals on dead trees. Um, all those things were, um, were major economic deterrents to getting into that business but they also um, acted as a sort of a gatekeeper for um, people um, piling into those media. In some ways, AI may actually make the role of the editor more important because as we know, uh, AI, certainly the versions that we have now, it makes mistakes. It has what uh, the AI people are calling hallucinations. Uh, and so it needs to be corrected. It needs to be edited. Uh, even uh, it may insert pornography into a story uh, quite uh, quite by accident. So in some ways, it's almost like getting back to basics, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you, you anticipated the next thing I was about to say, which was the thing, the thing that um, excites me the most is the, 
the reach and potential power of it. The thing that terrifies me the most is that um, the technology has no conscience. The technology um, is just a tool. And as I've oftentimes said, you know, it's like a hammer and the hammer doesn't know or doesn't care whether it's being used to build a Habitat for Humanity house um, or whether it's being used to hit someone over the head. The hammer doesn't know. The hammer doesn't care. It's all in the intentionality in which it's wielded by human beings. And that is precisely the case with AI. Um, the incredible power of it can be used um, incredibly detrimentally if we are not careful. Uh, one of the interesting things that we did at Smart News fairly recently was we actually created a chat bot. We did a couple of them. One of them they created was a um, an actual voice that you could have voice conversations with of me. Um, I gave, as a, as a training set, I gave the engineers a couple of podcasts that I'd done, and they created this entity that you could um, chat with over your computer, um, and, in, and it would answer in my voice. And it was absolutely fascinating, because on the one hand, uh, it sounded a lot like me, and on conceptual things, I guess because of the link between speech and thought, um, it handled conceptual questions almost eerily well. Uh, one of my colleagues was completely freaked out by having a conversation with, with this rich bot. But if you asked it factual things, it would come back with complete nonsense. Uh, you know, I asked it where it was born, uh, you know, and it answered in my voice, well, I was born in New York City. Well, no, I was actually born in Petaluma, California, which is about as far from New York City as you can get. Uh, so, but it was a completely fascinating experience. And it it called, it showed both the, the amazing possibilities and the equally horrifying um, potential drawbacks to this because the chatbot, when it answered with misinformation, as it often did, it was completely convincing. And one of the things that we have to do as journalists is we have to establish, well, what level of disclosure, how do we disclose to the users that this content may have been created using artificial intelligence? And how do we watermark that content so that users will know that this is AI? And how do we vet this content to make sure that it is not just spewing misinformation or even worse disinformation uh, in a completely convincing um, and utterly destructive way. I think this uh, requires me to ask whether we are in fact talking to a live person or whether you are generated by artificial intelligence. Uh, you said you would bring your dog on and you haven't done so, Rich, which would have been some kind of watermark of the reality of the situation. Can we assure our viewers and listeners that you are real? Well, you can in part because one of the things I discovered about the virtual Rich is that he talked much faster and much more fluidly than I do. Uh, there were no ums and uhs. Uh, they hadn't gotten around to programming in those kinds of things that make it seem even more human. 
Uh, but but it's coming. It's definitely coming. Personality is a part of journalism. Publications have a voice that individual writers, individual broadcasters, and television, of course, is personality dominated. Are uh, we going to keep and see personalities in tele in uh, in uh, artificial intelligence journalism, or are they going to be eradicated? Well, this is actually one of the things that I find concerning. You have a couple of countries, I think China and Kuwait, experimenting with AI-generated TV anchors um, that are very convincing, that are reading the news, um, and unless you pay close attention, you might mistake that AI-generated uh, anchor for um, an actual human being. But an AI-generated anchor, uh, you can see the appeal for um, the broadcasters. The, the AI-generated anchor never takes time off. It never asks for a raise. But it also is immune to the kind of attacks of conscience that, for example, animated the TV producer in Moscow at the uh, outset of the um, invasion of Ukraine when um, the person went on the air and said to their viewers, uh, they're lying to you about the, about the, the pretext for war. An AI-generated uh, anchor is never going to do that. In addition to uh, running uh, smart news content, you also talk to college students a lot. You uh, lecture and appear. These are people who are planning to spend decades uh, in, in the journalism business. What do you tell them? Well, I tell them a couple things. One of them, I tell them, if anybody ever tells you from my generation, starts talking about how much tougher the business was back in the old days, that uh, that they have my permission to, to respond that that's total BS. Because I think that journalism is far more complex. It requires far more skills um, than it did when I was starting out. Um, and it's a, it's a much more complicated world these days. Um, but I also tell them that the need for um, quality journalism has never, ever been higher. Because of those lowered barriers to entry um, that we talked about earlier, you have many people purporting to deliver news, or I should say news with air quotes, um, that um, are in fact uh, pursuing uh, hidden agendas and destructive agendas uh, masquerading as news. And so the need for you know, human intervention, human curation, and human responsibility has never been greater. And you can't outsource that to technology. And there are indeed uh, totally false uh, newspapers. Uh, they're not really newspapers that uh, are really partisan political tools or uh, commercial uh, uh, commercial tools. And uh, they, they may look like online news. Uh, they want to appear to be online news, but actually they're trying to sell you something or get you to vote for somebody. So it's, uh, again, uh, the issue of where the conscience is. One of the things that we we did from the outset and still do at Smart News is rather than the traditional technology approach of going out and, you know, 
taking all the content that's out there and relying on technology to detect and remove the bad content, the bad, the bad actors, as it were. We um, actually, before we add a publisher to Smart News, we have human beings vet that source. Uh, and so we don't operate in, in tech, technology terms. We don't operate on a blacklist. We operate on a whitelist. Um, publishers have to be reviewed before we will allow them onto our platform. And, you know, we've reviewed thousands and thousands of publishers. I'm sure we've made some mistakes um, and let publishers on that we shouldn't have. But usually we're able to, to figure that out pretty quickly and get them off the platform. Um, and I dare say that our batting average is a lot higher than some of our current and former competitors who took the opposite approach, which was basically anything goes and we'll rely on our technology to detect the bad actors. Do you have any original content or is it all uh, aggregated, which means to most to me, it means uh, that it, it's been generated elsewhere and is in some cases, the property of publishers elsewhere. Uh, we are an aggregator, so we are um, we are aggregating content from thousands and thousands of publishers. We have agreements, we have contracts with um, thousands of publishers that we've negotiated. We pay publishers for their content. Um, uh, you know, it is it's in our DNA. To, to be good partners. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of the publisher relationships that we've been able to, um, to forge with some of the biggest and um, most trusted media uh, in the country and really around the world. At another one of the big uh, journalism conventions this year, uh, not, not, the, uh, not yours, not ONA, uh, the very first item of the agenda is a panel to, this is a quote, develop a better understanding of the potential of AI chat GPT and chat GPT driven interactive experiences. Interactive experiences, uh, is that the direction where everything is going? Uh, it is one potential direction. Um, you know, if um, perhaps uh, adopting or adapting the technology that we um, uh, played with internally Maybe you could have a virtual conversation with the reporter who just wrote that um, that big story. Um, so I think there's a the 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 future in that regard. The power of the technology is such that uh, that the limits of what it may be able to accomplish are really set by you know what we can imagine. Um, but again, I, I hate to keep coming back to this theme, but I will over and over again. Uh, the one thing that I will predict boldly is that the speed of adoption of this technology will outstrip our ability to come to grips with the implications of it. I hope the news stays smart for you. I'm hopeful. Cheers. White House Chronicle is available as a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. We are there.